What up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the only podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. This is episode 245 of the Spun Today podcast. And in this episode, I'm going to share a few things that I accidentally, absentmindedly left out of episode 244, which is the previous episode of the Spun Today podcast where I broke down how to write a short story collection. There's a few key things that thinking back on the episode I left out that are important to share for anyone who's interested in publishing their own book. I'm also going to tell you guys about the Twin Lights Ride event, which is a cycling marathon hosted by Bike New York that I recently took part in and let you all know how that went. Spoiler alert. I actually completed this one. Shout out to me. I'll tell you guys all about how that one went. And lastly, I'm also going to tell you guys about watching Oppenheimer, the recent film by Christopher Nolan. So please stick around for all that good stuff. But first, I wanted to tell you all about a quick way that you can help support this podcast if you so choose. Your support means a ton. I really, really appreciate it. It helps keep the lights on here at the proverbial Sponsor Studios motivates me to continue putting out these episodes where I hope that you either gain some knowledge from, enjoy it in some way, shape, or form, can pick up on a a tip or trick to apply to your own creative outlets, or just listen for entertainment and to help pass the time. Either way, I really appreciate it. I love doing it. So I appreciate each and every one of you who take the time to listen and motivate me to continue putting out episodes and do more of what I love, which is writing. So if you'd like to help support, here's one quick way that you can do just that, and then we will jump right into the episode. If you're a fellow creative, a cool way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast and actually be part of the podcast is by filling out my five-question questionnaire located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Here you'll find five open questions related to your craft, your art, what inspires you to create, what type of unrelated hobbies you're into, and what motivates you to get your work done. You can choose to remain anonymous or plug your website and your work. And once you submit your questionnaire, I read your responses on a future episode of the Spun Today podcast. It's completely free at no cost to you. And what I like to say about it is that if your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else, why not share that? spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. How to write a short story collection continued. So in episode 244 of the Spun Today podcast, the previous episode before this one, I wanted to put together a comprehensive how to take an idea all the way through to fruition of becoming an actual book for sale. So I told you guys about where I've gotten certain ideas from, where they came from in uh, a specific collection of short stories that I recently published called Melted Cold. Available now at spuntoday.com forward slash books forward slash Melted Cold. All the links where you can purchase, you can find there or just search for it on Amazon. So I told you guys where the ideas for each story came from and broke down how I physically begin writing pen to paper free writing style to work out the idea and then once I have a good direction of where the story is going once it feels right 
I move over to writing on the computer on a writing program called Scrivener. And I take deep dives into each of these sections, if you will, during episode 244. So if you didn't hear that, go back and listen to that because it would be helpful. Then I broke down how I self-edit using a program called Pro Writing Aid and other similar programs that exist are out there, but the one I use is Pro Writing Aid. I also formulated my own story structure spread to help make sure that I have uh, certain key story beats and elements within my story, an inciting incident, a climax and resolution that tie into that inciting incident, etc. I also shared in that episode 244 how I used a professional editor for the first time. I broke down my approach for cover design, going through a digital design service called 99designs, or a graphic design service rather. I shared my ideas for promotion after the book is published and, and for sale by leveraging tools chat GPT for writing sales pr- promo, sales copy, using Facebook and Instagram ads, Amazon ads, spike ads via a company called Written Word Media, which has uh, free booksy promotions and bargain booksy promotions, etc. And I broke all that stuff down, but I skipped there towards the end a couple key things uh, that, again, I thought of in retrospect that I wanted to add in. So after you write your story, after you have it edited, after you have your cover design ready, how do you get your book? Or let me take a step back. You need to get your book in the correct format, also called like interior design by some, but the correct format for the different versions that your book will be available in, whether it's an ebook, whether it's a paperback, or whether it's a hardcover or all of the above because you have that flexibility and you have that option those options when you self-publish which I personally love options are a beautiful thing to quote the illustrious poet Jadakiss <laughs> so in the past for my first two books I used the same writing software that I use Scrivener to format my books which Scrivener definitely can do Now, it is a tedious process, and you kind of think like, you know, what's so hard about it? You have everything written already, just, you know, change the the size or the margins or something like that, and export or, you know, save as a PDF or something like that, but it's definitely not that straightforward. And there's a lot of little aspects of formatting that you don't pay mind to unless you are actually doing it within a book, like the style of how the chapter headings are or where you add the the numbers of each page are you gonna have them on the top are you gonna have them on the bottom are you gonna have them centered in the bottom if you have the numbers on the bottom and or on the top are you also going to have the author name on the right hand side of the page next to the page number or on the left hand side are you gonna have the title of the book on the left hand side or on the right hand side are you gonna have the title of the book on the left hand side and the chapter or what have you on the right hand side you have to factor in your line spacing you have to factor in your font style and if it fits with the genre of story that you're writing you have to add you know page breaks or dingus marks where i love that that word dingus (laughs) dingus marks where appropriate and have them stylized in a certain way do you want just to like the three asterisks 
standard or do you want to add a little flair to it and have like a little squiggly line or a little design or something so on and so forth for your ebooks you have to have a table of contents formulated for print books you have to make sure that your story begins on the right hand side of the page so you have to have a blank page where appropriate same thing you know blank pages necessary so that your dedication page could be on the right hand side so your your quote if you have one can be on the right hand side your acknowledgments you want them to start on the right hand side then the sizing of your paperback because there are different size options available the color of the pages with a cream or white the gloss of the cover whether glossy or matte so there's a lot of these little design elements that you, that you have to consider and, and factor in. And again, Scrivener, which I use for my first two books, definitely has those options available, but they're not as very user friendly. So I took hours and hours and days even when trying to learn how to use the formatting within Scrivener. And if you've tried it in the past, although again, it's helpful, it's there, I used it. It is frustrating and it's not user friendly and I would export, you know, I would go through all the motions and update everything I think I needed to update for my export and then export it. And then I would look at it, look at the export and the proof of it and something would be off. And then I would have to go back and redo the, you know, 18 steps it took just to change that one thing that didn't come out right. And I would change that and something else would break. And it, 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 it's just a back and forth clunky kind of design in terms of its uh, formatting. Now, again, that's to say nothing about its capabilities within writing itself. It's beyond impressive and amazing when it comes to uh, a writing program in and of itself. So the fact that it has the formatting functionality is a plus it's a, like a nice to have but it's definitely not a selling point in my opinion for the program itself so for this book i opted to use a service called vellum vellum is a formatting first program that you can also write in but it's the reverse of scrivener it's writing functionality is there but isn't you know impressive by any stretch but it's formatting functionality is amazing now it is a, a little pricey where scrivener for example the cost of scrivener is 60 dollars and then if you want to add the functionality where you can use it on your phone as well and it syncs up with your computer which again i spoke about in episode 244 and i thought was definitely very helpful and useful to me it's an extra 25 bucks 23 bucks and you pay that and i think it lasts years I've had to pay that twice, yeah, just twice ever since I've been writing. And that, that's just when they, if you buy Scrivener 3.0, for example, they come out with the new version, like 3.1, 3.2, 3.3, etc. And you get all of those for free. But once they move to a, a new version, like a 4.0, then you would have to buy that version or just continue using your old version. I think originally I had like the 2.0 and then uh, I wound up purchasing the 3.0. But again, 60 bucks and you you have the, you know, writing program on steroids and the added plus of a, a, format, a frustrating formatter. Now on the flip side, Vellum is pricey. It's $250 
However, it is a one-time full access forever purchase. So if you are planning on, you know, giving writing a go, I would say start and, and by writing, I mean writing for publishing and, and public consumption. And you want to put uh, books out there and stuff, I would say start low, start with, start with something like Scrivener, if at all, because honestly, you can do it with like Microsoft Word. It's just, again, with these tools, the functionality and, and the options that you have make it easier. So you, you can have less of that, those frustrating periods of having to learn how to format things. And it just makes your, your writing process, your formatting process, your publishing process more efficient, these tools. So... I would say definitely start with something Scrivener. And once you, in my opinion, you know, graduate up to, all right, I've put out a, a couple books. I'm going to continue doing this. Let me invest in that. I would definitely recommend using Vellum. I used it for the first time with this book, my third, and it was so seamless. I thought formatting, I was dreading, honestly, having to go through it to format all the different formats the ebook the paperback and the hardcover and i had heard of vellum via joanna pen shout out to joanna pen and i was like fucking let me let me let me check it out let me see if it'll actually help with the formatting the price definitely gave me pause <laughs> but again it's something i plan to reuse for always right for as long as i'm doing this which i don't see myself stopping writing so i invested in it and am happy to say i was able to Again, go from dreading formatting because I thought it was going to take days and days and hours to relearn what I did with the last book and what worked, what didn't, and look up my notes that I wrote to myself on how not to fuck it up so much, so on and so forth. So I went from that to using Vellum and in like an hour or less, I think I had every single thing completely formatted instantly. It's so user-friendly pretty much export my story or I had my my story rather already in Microsoft Word format my final draft from my editor and I upload that into Vellum and then there in Vellum you have the side by side you see on the left your different options and on the right you see a preview of how it looks so if I'm formatting my ebook, I have, you know, my manuscript on the left-hand side, and then on the right-hand side, I see a little mock of a Kindle or something like that. Or if I want to see a Kindle Fire or a Kindle White or an Apple iPad, I could toggle through or an iPhone, so on and so forth. You can toggle through the different views and you'll see that on the right-hand side. So it's a split pane. And on the left, you have very easy, straightforward, clean functionality. You click on the chapter, or story title, you label it as the you know story title, you label the acknowledgement section, it knows what to do with everything. It gives you formatting capabilities. If you want to change fonts, it has preloaded styles, so you can say, you know, apply you know X, Y, and Z style to the entire book. You play around with the numbering of pages options, stuff like that. Then at the end you select what you want to export for. So you pretty much check off all, all the boxes, you know, ebook, paperback, what size paperback, it's eight by five, eight and a half by five and a half, so on and so forth. A hardcover option. And it completely, then you just click export and it completely exports everything into a folder on your desktop or, you know, wherever you point it to. 
and you have your finalized files there and ready to go. It's so simple, so straightforward. I definitely, definitely recommend if you, again, are willing to put in that investment into your writing or when you're willing to put in that investment into your writing, such a huge time saver and for more importantly, frustration saver that it's very much so worth it. And for down the line time, I know it's it's great for creating box sets. So when you have a series of books, like for example, Fractal, my, not, my time travel novel is book one of a projected three book series, I'll be able to create box sets for sales very easily just by dragging and dropping each book into vellum. And then it'll you know create that box set for me so I can put it out for sale. So that was definitely a big piece, the formatting, which I left out from episode 244. So you have your story, you wrote it, you got it edited, you got it formatted, you have your cover ready to go. So what is next? Next, which I also kind of left out, was putting your books out for sale. Now, how do you do that? And what should your approach be? Where do you put it for sale? So before, Amazon was the the only game in town for self-publishing, you know, at this level. Now, with the success of self-publishing through Amazon, other companies have followed suit, and you can put your your books for sale through Apple, Barnes and Noble, companies like Ingram Spark, so on and so forth. A great place to start, and I could be biased because it's where I started, but it's also where you know it's the biggest game in town again amazon i definitely recommend going through them initially and they have certain free promotion tools which you can use which i'll get into in a bit but you literally essentially go to a site called kdp.amazon.com kdp stands for kindle direct publishing so kdp.amazon.com and i break this down in that free pdf by the way that i have available on my site that I mentioned during last episode at .com forward slash other, I believe. You go on that site and it'll walk you through everything. You're going to you know, type in uh, certain metadata things like the, the name of the book, subtitle, the name of the author, the name of your publishing company, if you have one. Shout out to Spun Today Publishing. You know, your story description, your book categories, you know, think of that as the section in a bookstore where your book would sit. So is it a fiction? Is it a nonfiction? Is it general fiction? Is it urban fiction? Is it sci-fi? Is it fantasy? So on and so forth. And then you upload those exports that you got from Vellum, those formatted versions of your book that you exported from Vellum or from Scrivener or from whatever formatting tool you used. You upload that into the website and then you upload a a JPEG of your book cover if it's the ebook or the PDF of your cover design, which includes the front cover, the spine and the back cover and you submit it. And then I think it takes like 24 to 48 hours or something like that for Amazon to review, make sure there's no issues with your work. You know, essentially that you're uploading what you're saying you're uploading and it shows you a rendering right there in real time. When you upload it, it shows you a proof of a paperback version of your book and you can scroll through it to see how it's going to look when it's printed. It gives you the option to order author copies or proof copies so they can print one, ship it to you, which I definitely recommend. 
And essentially you, once it's for sale, once it's live, you get an email and say, congratulations, your, your book is available on Amazon. They send you a link, click on it. And then it's pretty cool to see your book up there for sale. Now there are different approaches in terms of what you decide to do in terms of staying exclusive with Amazon, which essentially means your book is only available on Amazon. Your ebook is only available on Amazon. And the benefit of that is that one, it is the largest bookseller already. It provides you with promo options such as, you know, for five days a month, I believe it is, or for five days a quarter, you can put your book out to sell for free, the ebook. And that'll entice folks to, you know, just download it for free, read it, you know, you know, learn more about you as a writer, put you on to, to more people, hopefully get some reviews on your book. You know, folks, you know, if they didn't pay for it, they, some may feel more inclined to at least review your book. And the more people that read it, you know, it's a numbers game. The more people that read it, the more exposure you get, the more chances for reviews you get, so on and so forth. Then when it's no longer no longer free, the idea is that, you know, this book that's highly reviewed has a bunch of positive reviews, you know, let me purchase it, you know, down the line. So that's definitely a plus. It's also by staying exclusive with Amazon, you are part of their Kindle Select program, which I personally don't have, but I know it's a big thing within the reading community where folks essentially pay a subscription to download every ebook that Amazon has within you know kindle unlimited to download it and read it for free so you have exposure to all those people that that's what they want you know they just want to download free books and read them that's what they pay their service fee for now what that means is that you can't put the ebook for sale anywhere else you can't put it on apple you can't put it on barnes and noble ingram spark so on and so forth so it's kind of a catch-22 now for my first two books i started exclusive with amazon and then I went wide, as they call it. So the first two books are available everywhere. This new book is just exclusive with Amazon. Again, for now, I think it, long term, I'll probably go wide with it as well. Uh, but I just really want to target and hone in on the marketing aspects for this book and those tools that I mentioned, those free promo tools that, you know, you line align with your spike book promotions and Amazon ads and stuff like that are are really helpful in terms of, of reach and, and getting eyeballs on the actual book. So there's definitely that. And as always, I'll continue to, you know, keep you guys posted on what I decide to do down the line, how, how things are progressing, what worked, what didn't work in terms of promotion. So hopefully if you are in the same space or interested in it for whatever reason, that you can uh, gain something from it. Something else that I did for this book that I didn't do with the first two is purchase my own ISBNs. ISBNs, think of them as social security numbers for books. They are the unique identifier for books that are for sale. And it's not necessary to do. Again, I didn't do it for my first two books. Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble and Apple and all these places offer you a free ISBN if you publish through their their site they'll assign the their own isbn the catch with that is that it does your books will say you know published by amazon or barnes and noble or so on and so forth which again is not a big deal but and, and it doesn't change ownership of the book or, or any anything like that but if you do want to own your own isbn 
to tie it in with your own publishing company, for example, then you can definitely do so by going to Bowker, B-O-W-K-E-R.com. And they have, you can purchase one ISBN, you can purchase a bundle of ISBNs, whether it's a group of 10 or 100, and they have different bundles. I brought a, a group of 10, which was also a bit pricey, $295. But it's ISBNs that you, you know, own for life, attach them to your books, and they're the unique identifier of the actual book. Now, interesting thing about ISBNs, each format of the book, which I think is... I don't know. I don't like it, but I get it, but I also don't like it. <laughs> Each format of the book requires its own ISBN. So the same exact book, if it's an ebook, it, has, it needs its own ISBN. If it's a paperback, it needs its own ISBN. If it's in a hardcover, it needs its own ISBN. If it's an audiobook, it needs its own ISBN. And then when you do go wide, for example, I have four right now three different formats published on amazon right so three different isbns for my ebook paperback and hardcover when i go wide with this book to barnes and noble you know apple or kobo etc i'm also going to need i can't carry over those same isbns on those platforms or at least i haven't figured out a way to do so because i did try to stay exclusive with Amazon as far as the ebook, but go wide with my paperback and hardcover, and which I thought was doable, and I believe it is, but then I have to take Barnes and Noble's assigned ISBN and Apple's, etc. Well, not Apple, Apple's just digital, but Kobo's, Ingram Sparks, etc. And I don't want to burn the other ISBNs that I purchased just to go wide with that book. So I'm, I'm still working that out. I'll let you guys know where I land on that, but. Yeah, that's something else that I did with this book that I didn't do in the past. And the last thing that I did with this book that I didn't do in the past was do the copyright registration, which, again, isn't required and necessary, but it's just an added layer of protection around your intellectual property. I first learned about it through Ada Rodriguez, the comic, which was giving advice to screenwriters and, and people trying to get into the industry and saying, you know, as she's seen horror stories of how, you know, folks pitch scripts and stuff like that, and they wind up getting denied and turned back, but then writers and producers that are already in Hollywood wind up just taking their shit, which I've definitely heard horror stories of in the past, but in different contexts, like within comedy and, and, and writers of TV shows going to comedy clubs and getting premises from comedians to write episodes of shows that they're writing on for example but i never thought it with i guess i just never gave it much thought but i didn't think it would be you know as blatant as as ada mentioned but nonetheless her recommendation was to go to copyright.gov which is the united states copyright office and register your body of work and you can do that for anything any type of creative work but it's a movie a script a book photography etc and then my editor kind of said it in a matter of fact way so it kind of reinforced the, the whole idea of of getting the official copyright and she just said it kind of in passing again like in a matter of fact way she was like oh yeah when you do the the copyright after that blah 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 blah, blah. and we were talking about something else and i asked her i was like oh you mean the, the copyright.gov or you referring to some order type you know copyright process that i should be aware of and she was like no that's that's the one that's what I'm talking about. So it kind of reinforced the idea. So I did that. 
It's a straightforward process. You go onto their website, again, copyright.gov. It's the United States Copyright Office. And similar process to, you know, loading it on a site like Amazon for sale, for example. You know, you write the book title, your publisher, your author name, description of the book. You upload a copy of the book in the cover. You pay a filing fee, which is 65 bucks. Then they process it. I think it takes something like a couple months. And you have the official copyright for your book of work. So yeah, those are some essential things that I left out. Some optional, some not. I left out of episode 244. If I think of anything else, uh, I'll definitely keep you guys updated. And, and again, as I go forth in this process, you know, a big part of this podcast is just highlighting my quote unquote writing journey, both for me to be able to look back on one day and also for folks to gain some insight from that may be on the same path and are interested in this kind of stuff. I do have a free promotion running for Melted Cold, a collection of short stories for the ebook, which will be running from October 17th, 2023, Eminem's birthday, by the way, the GOAT, through October 20th, 2023. So if you're interested in downloading and checking out the book absolutely for free, check out the links in the episode notes or go to again spontoday.com forward slash books forward slash melted cold or just search for it on amazon again october 17th through october 20th 2023 my short story collection melted cold will be available absolutely for free the price of zero definitely check it out and i will keep you all posted on how all that goes the twin lights ride the Twin Lights Ride was a cycling marathon event that took place in Highlands, New Jersey. It takes place in Highlands, New Jersey. It's put on by Bike New York, which puts together all these marathons throughout the year. I mentioned to you guys a couple episodes ago that earlier this year I did the Hudson Valley bike tour, which I had done in the past. And normally I do one of these a year. This year, uh, my buddy Paolo and I chose to shout out to Pablo's Today alumni chose to pre-sign up for the twin lights ride which we were both doing for the first time and for the first time doing two of these events uh within a year you know similar to the other events this ride gives you different route options so you have a, a 15 mile a 30 mile a 50 mile a 75 mile and a 100 mile we signed up for the 30 mile, both the Hudson Valley and the Twin Lights ride. And if you listen to that previous episode, you know that for Hudson Valley this year, I got through like 26.5 miles before both my quads just completely seized up and cramped up. And I sadly could not finish that race. But I'm happy to say that I did redeem myself with the Twin Lights ride, completing all 30 miles. Going back to my former riding glory. Hey, kid. Uh, But no, it was a dope ride. It was enjoyable. Definitely one that we would do again. I definitely will. The It was a lot flatter, the terrain. So Hudson Valley had very high peaks. Very, very hilly. Hence my quads fucking completely seizing up. I think it was 100 feet more of elevation. When you compare the the routes, which is definitely a lot, and the twin right slide was was nice. You ride down the the beach in Highlands, New Jersey, 
for a long stretch of it. Not actually, not longer, not not as long as we thought, but, but for a decent stretch, probably under 10 miles right along the beach, probably like seven-ish miles, I would say. And then it's all inroads, like the residential areas, some parks, stuff like that. But it was definitely a, a nice ride. Definitely enjoyed it. My fucking flat tire woes continue. It was flat again. Again, I had to get it pumped up when we got there. Now I know the issue, what the issue is. It was supposedly taken care of when I, I took it to the bike shop. The rim itself has some shards within it that seem to be creating a, a slow leak. Now, when I got it changed this time at, again, uh, the Bike New York event with the same dude that helped me out at Hudson Valley, actually, from Trek. Same exact guy. Shout out to Andrew, I believe his name was. Really nice guy. He told me that the actual rubber of the tire itself is rubbing up against the tube inside the tire. And that's probably what's creating those shards that we wind up seeing and creating a very slow leak. So they think that changing the tire itself instead of uh, having to replace the entire rim would do the trick, as well as adding something called a cloth inner tire, inner rim thing, like a, a cloth tape around the rim itself in the inside, then putting tube of the tire, then the actual tire over it. And that's very boring inside baseball when it comes to bike riding. So I'm going to try that see if the issues persist or not and then after that then my option my only option is just replacing the whole fucking rim and tire itself and maybe even the eh, i was gonna say maybe even the bike because i've had the bike for i want to say a decade already or more probably like 11 12 years but it's still still great i love that bike shout out to specialized but yeah that was my experience with the twin lights ride 2023 in highlands new jersey i definitely recommend it check it out Oppenheimer was released on July 21st, 2023. It's the story of American scientist J. Robert Oppenheimer and his role in the development of the atomic bomb. It was directed by Christopher Nolan. And let's shout out the writers as we do here on the Spontary Podcast. It was written by Christopher Nolan, Kai Bird, and Martin Sherwin. Shout out to each of those writers. This movie was great. Now it was shot in 70 millimeter and 35 millimeter film, which I'm not sure exactly what that means technically, aside from the fact that they were, this film was meant to be watched on an IMAX screen. You can obviously watch in regular movie theaters, watch on TV, stream it on your phone, etc. But technically things were intentionally made in terms of the film and sound that would resonate more at IMAX. I personally watched it at IMAX and it blew me away. It was fucking awesome. I wound up watching this movie by myself, which was also an interesting experience. My first time going to a theater alone, which I've heard people do. My brother's done it. I heard people love it. I figured I would love it because I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm like the annoying guy that's shushing people when I'm watching something because I want to hear every single syllable that's uttered. So I figured if I'm alone, I have even less interruptions, right? <laughs> but I had planned uh, to watch it with, with my best friend, Steven. Uh, weeks in advance, we got the tickets. And this dude calls me literally the day of, like, yo, I got to cancel. I'm like, oh, shit, what happened? He was like, oh, I'm at the airport. I'm about to go to South Beach. <laughs> like, this motherfucker. 
But I guess, you know, South Beach or a movie theater. Probably not a, a tough decision to make. But I had these tickets already. I really wanted to see the movie. So I wound up going dolo and giving it a shot. And it was a weird experience. You kind of feel like a, a loser walking in, you know, by yourself with no date. But then you realize there's a bunch of people that are alone, especially in the middle of the day. It was, uh, I think, like a two o'clock showing or something like that in the afternoon, like an idle Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it was. But it was dope. Uh, the IMAX at the AMC in Lincoln Square, I want to say, in the city. Lincoln Square, Lincoln Center. The screen is fucking ginormous. Sounds amazing. And I was really looking forward to the story uh, that I knew, know a bit about. You know, I know it's the Manhattan Project and the creation of the atomic bomb and how we, the U.S., were racing against the Nazis, essentially, to see who can develop this technology first because whoever got their hands on it would literally, quite literally change the course of the future of the world. Imagine Hitler with a, with a nuke <laughs> and how he famously quoted the Bhagavad Gita, which is the ancient Hindu scripture, like the Hindu Bible, if you will. And he said, I'm going to paraphrase something to the effect of, I have become death destroyer of worlds. That was his impression after creating the, the atomic bomb. I guess, you know, coming to terms with the fact that he definitely changed the course of, of history. But in the movie, you know, it chronicles this brilliant physicist, J. Robert Oppenheimer, played by Cillian Murphy, which did a phenomenal job. And they kind of made him seem, you know, toast of the town, a gregarious kind of physicist. That was a bit of a, bit of a play. Had a wife, women on the side, ex-wives. I don't know how historically accurate all that is, but again, in the movie, that's how he's depicted. It was really interesting how open to different ideas he was interested in or he was rather and how even in that time he would go to com communist party meetings and, you know this is back in the 1940s when you know the red scare was the big thing and people were being locked up just for having you know being suspected of being communist and he would go just to learn and pick up on it and just grab you know ideas of what he thought was good it was bad and so there was this double-edged sword with the American government kind of watching him and thinking that he might be a communist or at least a double agent or, uh, of some sort. But his brilliance, he was the guy. He was bar none, the most brilliant physicist. If someone was going to be able to devise this atomic bomb, it would be him. So the U.S. kind of had to thread that needle in terms of their suspicions about him versus what he could do for for the country and i love stories that are told in retrospect so it begins with him having this kind of deposition in front of attorneys and the government but in this very remote closed it just looks like a small classroom in school and he and they keep flashing back and you know telling the story that way i love stories that are told through that type of device narrated if you will because the entire time you're enthralled by the story itself that's being told in, in flashback, but then also anticipating how did he wind up in this room? Why is he in this room? Why are they deposing him? So you have the scientist who's being courted essentially by all the high-end universities and they want him to go you know, do research there. And then he's approached by Leslie Groves of the US military 
played by Matt Damon to work on this top secret military project. Then you have Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Louis Strauss, which is the head of, I forget which prestigious university institution, but he was also one of the big offers on the table. You know, come have this like mansion off campus. You could live there with your wife, you know, teach some classes at the school, do your research here, etc. And he takes the, you know, the top secret, more interesting, you know, project. And essentially, they wind up in Los Alamos, New Mexico, completely remote area for miles around it. And it's where the Manhattan Project was established. The Manhattan Project is the name of this project that its goal is to create the atomic bomb, create a nuclear weapon for the first time ever. Before Hitler and the German scientists do so because that's their intent. Then the, the dilemma becomes how, how does Oppenheimer and, and Groves, how do they convince all the top scientists and physicists around and the people that they need, engineers, etc., to come move to this remote area in Los Alamos. And they essentially decided that they had to create their own city there. So they had to have a church, a school, houses, and move all these scientists there because he, Oppenheimer knew that they wouldn't move without their families. A lot of these people have families, you can't just, you know, pluck them out and say, here, go work on this project for a couple of years or however long it takes, six months, a year, and they didn't know at that point. Long story short, it wound up taking, I think like two years to develop and something like a billion dollars. And then long story short, we you know, obviously beat the Nazis to the, to the punch in terms of creating the atom bomb. But then there was this dilemma that they kept underscoring throughout the film. Of We know that this weapon will change the world as we know it, will change war, warfare as we know it. We also know, we don't know exactly what would happen with the US having it and other countries that subsequently wind up developing their own technology or versions of but we do know what would happen if Hitler got his hands on it. So that was the drive. And ultimately it was developed and the decision was made by then President Truman. While the war was still ongoing, although Hitler and the Nazis had been defeated, but the war was still ongoing with Japan. But by some critics, it was seen as overkill for Truman to take this action. But he did decide to drop the nukes. Not just one, two, one on Nagasaki, the other on Hiroshima and literally changed the, the course of the world. No nukes, thankfully, have ever been dropped since. Hundreds of thousands of, of people died as a result of those in terms of immediately and then radiation poisoning afterwards and you know days and even years down the line. So it's a, definitely a heavy movie in that sense, but amazingly made and a great historical story to, to know. I also wanted to give an honorable mention to what I thought was a very similar movie that I recently saw called The Imitation Game. Now, The Imitation Game also around the same time period, not around, during the same time period, during World War II, it chronicles the English mathematician and genius Alan Turing. You may have heard the, the term Turing test. That's the test given to machines or AI to see how, quote unquote, human it is, you know, if it's human or not. But it chronicles him and decoding the German Enigma code, which is how the Germans were communicating through this extensive cryptic communication methods back during World War II that nobody could get ahead of. No, none of the allied countries could get ahead of, and we didn't know where they were going to attack or how. 
So there was this big drive to decoding their communication methods so that we can be a step ahead of them and, and figure out where they're going, you know, before they actually go there, et cetera. So very similar movie. I, I just thought it was fa fascinating how that, how these two things were going on essentially at the same time. And it just really highlights all the uh, moving parts that were going on back then. Crazy fucking times, man. Which sadly we seem to be on the cusp of reliving. I'll digress. So yeah, Oppenheimer, phenomenal film. Definitely check it out. And if interested, also check out The Imitation Game. Benedict Cumberbatch plays Alan Turing, does a phenomenal job. And similarly, between those two characters, those two historical figures, sad how things have wound up for them. Oppenheimer, you know, that the whole, you know, communism thing followed him uh, or interests and he was pretty much ostracized. And Alan Turing was a, at that time, closeted homosexual. And it was at a time where then when it became known, it was at a time where people would get literally locked up for, for being homosexuals. And apparently he was allowed not to be locked up, but had to take pills that would essentially chemically castrate him to get these, you know, homosexual thoughts and stuff uh, out of his head. And after that, I think about a year or two later, he wound up committing suicide. He was like 41 years old. So very, very sad how their stories wound up. But again, two important historical stories to know that I found uh, very interesting. And the movies were done very tastefully and, and captivatingly. Oppenheimer and The Imitation Game. Check them out. And the last thing I wanted to mention before I wrap things up here for episode 245 is kind of related to goats doing goat shit, the Smut Today segment. I don't have a new goat to add to our list today, but I did want to note how I'm starting to think this list might be a bit of a fucking hex. At first, I featured Will Smith, you know, for, for his body of work, and I had just come off from, from reading his book, Will. And I like the just the business move play that he did with the, the Karate Kid franchise and Cobra Kai, etc. And then shortly thereafter, the slap heard around the world, the Chris Rock incident happened. Then I featured Puff Daddy recently with him, you know, finally doing the quote unquote right thing, moral thing, maybe not business wise, of giving the publishing rights back to all the bad boy artists. And then shortly thereafter, this whole Keefe D implicating him in the murder of Tupac thing comes out. So I'm starting to think the goats doing goat shit segment might be a hex. Hopefully not. <laughs> we'll see after the, the next person that's featured, but it's a crazy fucking story, right? For folks that might not know, Keefe D has done, you know, public interviews. He wrote a book about this and he's been on Vlad TV a bunch of times. I'll drop in a couple of those interviews in the episode notes. And he's known to have been one of the four people that were in the vehicle that pulled up next to Tupac in Las Vegas after that Mike Tyson fight where Tupac was murdered. And the other three people in the car, one of which was Orlando Anderson, I believe his name was, which was the dude that in the you know iconic footage of that Las Vegas casino lobby or hotel lobby, Tupac goes up to him and punches him and and you know they have a, a bit of a scuffle. That's one of the guys that were in the car and was the nephew, I believe, of Keefe D, which was also in the car. And he was also thought to be the person that actually did the shooting. But all the other three people, again, in that car, including Orlando Anderson, were are dead. 
KPD is the only person of those four that that were there and is alive. And he has now implicated himself saying that and is coming out saying that Puff Daddy, a.k.a. Diddy, a.k.a. Brother Love, paid him and his crew one million dollars back in the day to kill Tupac in retaliation for what was the perceived, you know, East Coast, West Coast violence that led to to Biggie dying. It's crazy shit. He just recently was locked up for this. And it's a thought that, you know, there will be actual, you know, looking into and legal proceedings to what he's alleging, which is hopefully not the case. But who fucking knows, man. It was a crazy time. But yeah, folks, that is episode 245 of the Smut Today podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate each and every one of you who take the time to do so. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you gained something from it. And we'll ask you to please stick around for just a couple more minutes so you can listen to a few ways that you can help support this show if you so choose. It's greatly appreciated. Talk to you guys next time. Peace. What's up, folks? Tony here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I enjoy producing it for you. Here are a few quick ways that you can help support this show. You can support the Spun Today podcast by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. There you'll find my merch section where you can cop the iconic podcasts versus anybody t-shirt in a wide variety of different colors and all different sizes. Also, if you're into cycling, you can cop the super soft, comfortable, minimalist design Spun Today Bike Club t-shirt. Also available in a bunch of different colors and all different sizes. There are a few other designs of different types of t-shirts. Definitely go there and check it out. SpunToday.com forward slash support. It's the merch section where you can also get a dope coffee mug. I have coffee mugs with the brand new redesigned Spun Today logo on one side and the tagline that I end every show with on the other which is start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. The mug is available in both black and white because we don't discriminate here at the Spun Today podcast. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support and check out the merch section. You can support the Spun Today podcast by checking out my writing. You can go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and check out some of my free association writing, which is intended to be some cathartic free writing but oftentimes doubles down as motivation for myself and others. At spuntoday.com forward slash short stories, you can read a bunch of the different short stories that I've written and actually listen to the audiobook versions of those short stories there as well. Another way you can help support my writing is by going to spuntoday.com forward slash books and checking out what I have in store for sale. Digital copies are available in all formats whether it be Kindle, iBooks, or a different type of e-reader. You can also purchase paperback copies, if that's your preferred reading method. Currently available, I have my nonfiction, Make Way For You, which is a collection of freely written thoughts that were curated and put together as tips for getting out of your own way. Also available is my debut time travel novel, titled Fractal. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books to show your support. Support the Spun Today podcast by following me on social at Spun Today on Twitter, at Spun Today on Instagram. Please also check out and like my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Spun Today, and subscribe to my YouTube page as well. On my YouTube page, not only will you get these full length episodes, but you'll also get to check out some chopped up clips and bonus content. To get to my YouTube page, just search Spun Today on YouTube 
or click on any of the YouTube icons on the footer of my website. Also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever it is that you're listening. It really does help. The Sponsoray newsletter is available to each and every one of my listeners absolutely for free. All you have to do is go to sponsoray.com forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. What I'm going to do is brighten up everybody's least favorite day of the week by delivering five curated things within my weekly newsletter every Monday at noon. You're going to receive a photo of the week, a recommended podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts from an array of varied interests. I cherry pick the very best ones so that you can check them out. I also share a video of the week, which can be anything from a tasty recipe to a dope rap battle to an enlightening TED talk. I also share a quote of the week. And finally, for my fellow wordsmiths out there, a word of the week so that you can step up your vocab. Again, this curated list is yours absolutely free by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and dropping in your email address and you can unsubscribe at any time. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address and you'll get the very next one. If you want to help support the Spun Today podcast financially, you can do so by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. Here you'll find a few different ways that you can do so. You can shop on Amazon, but first go to my website, spuntoday.com forward slash support. Click on the Amazon banner, which will take you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It will not cost you anything extra, but I will get credit for driving traffic to their website. Another cool way that you can help support this show is through Patreon, where you can set up reoccurring donations to my podcast, whether it be $1 per show, $2 per show, etc. And depending on how much you choose to pledge, you will receive some Patreon perks in return. Things like free writing pieces, free bookmarks, free digital copies of my books, etc. Again, my Patreon link can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. You can also set up similar reoccurring payments via my Ko-fi page. And if you want to send a one-time happiness bomb donation, if you will, you can do so via my PayPal link. Again, all of which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. If you're a fellow creative, a cool way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast and actually be part of the podcast is by filling out my five-question questionnaire located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Here you'll find five open questions related to your craft, your art, what inspires you to create, what type of unrelated hobbies you're into, and what motivates you to get your work done. You can choose to remain anonymous or plug your website and your work. And once you submit your questionnaire, I read your responses on a future episode of the Spun Today podcast. It's completely free at no cost to you. And what I like to say about it is that if your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else, why not share that? spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. And as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. I love you, Aiden. I love you, Daddy. I love you, Grayson. I love you, Daddy.